And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 74. All right, you want to just jump in? Let's do it. Also, pardon my stuffy nose. You don't sound bad. I, I hear it, though. Hey, ladies. Love you. Love the show. You are amazing and hilarious. It's an extra bonus that you live about 45 minutes from where I went to high school. The laughter and accents always miss the good old days a little, especially the riding around in my friend's grandma's minivan, chain smoking and singing bad 80s and 90s music <laughs> as we drove the 30 minutes minimum to get Blockbuster as kids. Oh my gosh, yes. We used Pringles cans for ashtrays and Febreze the shit out of that van after every joyride, as if that would cover the smell of four to five teen girls and guys having way too much fun doing a whole lot of nothing kind of days. Did you ever hear of stories that people would like smoke in their rooms when they were young, like teenagers? And then I'd be like, how do your parents not smell it? And they would be like, oh, I just have a bowl of mustard and it like sucks up the smell. And I was like, what? What? Yes. People used to say that like they would have mustard out and that would like get rid of the smell. No. But has anybody ever heard that? (laughs) Okay. Like many beautiful creepsters, I have a lot of stories on deck to share. I could not for the life of me figure out which one to send in first, so I figured, fuck it. I'll start from the beginning. Like many scary stories, that brings us back to early childhood. For anonymity purposes, we'll say my brother's name is Kyle. Kyle and I were super close as kids, and still are as adults. Our parents were busy with work once we were both in school, and mom went back to work from being a stay-at-home mom. There were plenty of mornings before school and afternoon antics we'd get into, and we had entirely too much time on our hands to stay out of trouble entirely. We lived in a suburb in the Midwest, and the house we lived in wasn't very old. Regardless, there were rumors in the neighborhood that, for some unknown reason, the guy who had the house before us hid thousands of dollars somewhere in the house before he up and died one day. I have no idea where this story came from or why the fuck old bro would stuff cash money somewhere in the foundation, walls, or some such shit. But I digress. This was the rumor, and so of course my brother and I were determined to find it. I mean, a legit treasure hunt for two kids growing up in the 90s? Uh, fuck yes, please. Uh, very Goonies of y'all. Yes! Our search often led to the basement, which was almost fully furnished and was often our headquarters for all kinds of make-believe games and shit. I don't remember being frightened of the basement, but the goddamn laundry room was not my gym, but spelled G-A-T, damn. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't help that at the far side of the door of the laundry room, my dad had a flashlight and a drill, I think, on a wall charger. While charging, those bitches had a red light each. And, of course, without the room lights on, it straight up looked like a demon was staring at you from the windowless darkness of the room. My solution? I shut, reaching frantically for the light switch. I would not open my eyes for effing Jesus himself in that room unless the light was on. Nope, no, fucking demons and laundry, y'all. Anyway, back to the story. Our long-pursued treasure hunt kind of lost its glamour as we didn't find shit but spiders and sometimes a mouse in whatever not-kid-friendly place we'd find ourselves in. The attic, the unfinished downstairs bathroom, the laundry chute, how the fuck did we not break our necks in there, tumbling down into the demon-infested laundry room, I have no idea. And any closet in the house. But there was one more spot we'd not checked. 
the garage and the attached screen patio there. My memory is hazy here. I was like seven and my brother was nine. All I recall is the look on my brother's face when we had accidentally broken a glass window that appeared to lead to nowhere. It was literally this old-ass glass window in the wall of the garage. I assumed it was just closed in when someone added the screened-in patio to the other side, but what lazy motherfucker would just be like, meh, fuck it. We'll build a partial wall over there. It's fine. The only reason we even saw it in the first place is because the same lazy motherfucker that had done such a shit job, the drywall was fucking falling off the frame. So we see this weird window in the partial drywall between the garage and the screened-in patio, and of course, go to check it out. I do remember how weird it looked because somehow the dust had gathered on the panes to reveal what looked like handprints. It seemed like the moment my brother touched the glass, that shit shattered. I don't know why or really how, but that shit broke, and we both probably fear farted, not only because it was abrupt and shocking, but knowing that our dad would probably be pissed when he found it. Answer, swear a solemn oath to never speak of it. Our story was short and simple. We sure shit didn't know how that window broke. What window? <laughs> we didn't even see a window. Why is there a window in the wall? Etc. The next morning we were getting ready for school. Yes, back in the 90s, kids as young as us were actually allowed to take care of ourselves and get our asses to school. And my brother was super freaked out. He told me that the night before, he had been woken up by the sound of something scratching against his bedroom door. No. He thought it was my cat, but that didn't make any sense because he knew she'd be with me. So he got up and opened the door. Nothing was there. My brother, who is one of the most nonchalant people I've ever known, of course shrugged it off and went back to bed. But he left his door slightly open this time. A couple of minutes later, he heard a similar scratching sound. He rolled over to look, and there, peering around the edge of the door, was this fucking gremlin-looking thing. No. Mm -mm. He said it was small, had large ears that poked out from both sides of his football-shaped head. His little hands had claws on them that were clenching the door's edge, and he had a little tiny mouth that was full of jagged, tiny teeth. Ooh. And his eyes were red. Kyle stared at it, and the creature darted back behind the door. It then popped his head back in, then out again. It was doing this more rapidly each time, making his red eyes appear brighter and bigger. There was a screech, like nails on a chalkboard. And then it was gone. I have no idea how Kyle slept that night. And I imagine I first thought he was just trying to scare me or something. I mean, this is the kid that told me he saw Rudolph flying through the damn sky like a year before. After he found out the truth about Santa and played into the age-old epic lie parents and family tell kids about the extra-large pizza guy in the red suit who likes cookies and brought you shit. <laughs> Shortly after the incident with the gremlin, not sure what else to call it, my brother moved from his bedroom upstairs to the bedroom in the basement. The bathroom down there was done by then, and for whatever reason, maybe because of the gremlin, Kyle asked to move his room down there. Boy clearly did not know demons and laundry, but he'd soon find out. Kyle lived in the basement bedroom for about a year before we moved from that house. In that time, he had several experiences that he can still talk about and recall clearly to this day. 
The one that always freaked me out the most was when he was woken by something bumping his bed. He slept on the top bunk of the bed, and that shit felt rickety as fuck Anytime someone on the lower bunk did anything but hold completely still. The bunk shook again a moment later, as if someone was climbing up the ladder to his bed. He didn't want to jump down and go running, as I sure as fuck would have, because the jump was too high, and he couldn't use the ladder because uh, something else was clearly using it. His solution to the problem? The universal solution to all scary shit at night, pull the covers up over his head. He said he was still after that until he felt the mattress dip slightly near the ladder as if someone either sat on it or otherwise climbed onto the bed itself. No. Oh my gosh. He felt pressure on the blankets like someone was pulling them from the end of the bed. Boy did not even move. He was so freaked out he could barely breathe. Something said, a raspy whisper in the dark that somehow sounded like it came from right next to his ear. That did it. Kyle threw the blankets off of himself to face whatever it was on his bed. Crazy bastard. Nothing was there. Oh my gosh. By this time, he was starting to feel pretty damn nuts. We'd both seen objects move in his room throughout that year, small things that we could brush off as somehow being moved due to the heater coming on or we accidentally knocked the shelf or something that caused the domino effect. These methods to reason away weird shit worked most of the time, except when his Mickey Mouse alarm clock started randomly going off. I can still hear that bastard's annoying-ass voice. A tune would play and Mickey would say, Good morning! Good morning! Wake up! Wake up! (laughs) You sounded like him. And it would repeat itself until you hit one of the buttons on the front. So when the alarm clock first went off at random, we were in the living room area of the basement, probably watching Power Rangers or some shit. We looked at each other while Mickey was going to town with his annoying ass song in my brother's bedroom. I sure as fuck was not going in there alone because sis ain't about all that. But I did follow Kyle to the room to see what the fuck was going on. The moment he switched on the light, Mickey shut the fuck up. Oh, shit. I stayed at the doorframe, because reasons, and Kyle went into the room and picked up the clock to examine it. It seemed fine. He set it back down and came back to the door when the alarm went off again. Only this time, it sounded like Mickey had passed puberty and had a slower, deeper voice. Kyle turned and snatched the alarm clock off the dresser, flipped it over, and switched it off entirely. The singing stopped. But as he was about to put it back on the dresser, it started up again. Oh my gosh! The voice was even stranger this time, slower, and beginning to sound like its voice was coming through static. Kyle turned it on and off a couple of times with no success and shutting the thing up. He finally yanked out the batteries and Demon Mickey went silent. I don't think Kyle ever put batteries back in that thing. I know I sure as fuck wouldn't have. Me either. I would have buried that shit in the backyard or something. Fuck that. That same night, he was woken up hearing his name being called. He thought it was our mom's voice, so he sat up in bed and called back to her. No response. Then, his name came from outside his bedroom door. Kyle tossed the covers off of him, climbed down the bunk's ladder, and opened the door to go out to the living room of the basement to answer our mom. So he thought. He walked all the way to the stairs in the dark when he looked up the stairs and saw the basement door was closed. Nothing was out of place, and mom was nowhere to be seen or heard. 
Again, he somehow shrugs this shit off and wanders back to his room after a trip to the bathroom. When he came out of the bathroom, though, he found that his bedroom door was closed. He had not closed it, and he had seen it open just a minute before when he took his detour to the bathroom. As he opened the bedroom door, it was significantly colder in the room. But hey, whatever. It's fucking Minnesota in the winter. Everything's cold, right? (laughs) But then Kyle was climbing back into his bunk when he saw that the sheets and the blankets were all folded neatly at the end of his bed. Fuck that. Kyle moved back upstairs the next day, and we moved out of the house not long after. As we creepsters would expect, this was not the end of the strange incidents. However, that's the end of this story. I'll write back soon with the next in line. That one involves my dad, who was a homicide detective for most of my childhood, which is fucked up enough as it is, but add in when I, again around seven-ish at the time, started dreaming about cases he was working on. Fucked up, exploded into, oh, fuck no. Till next time, keep it creepy, ladies, A. Oh, my gosh. I am here for this. Me, too. Also, who wants to top bunk when there's a perfectly good bottom bunk? I'm so lazy. (laughs) Well, this bitch, when we were in college, made me sleep on the top bunk. You have longer legs. It's easier. You're smaller. That's logistics. (laughs) that's lazy (laughs) and i am i didn't want to climb there i'd be like oh my god remember the girl that lived underneath us because i would be studying on the top bunk and just incoming and drop my textbooks (laughs) and she was like what do y'all do like drop your textbooks from the top bunk and we're like yes Yes. that's exactly what i do (laughs) they're like you know the ceiling and the walls are like made of cement like how can she hear you um Hey Donna and Carrie, my name is Amber. I'm from Oregon, but now calling Washington State my home. I'm a big time listener going on a year here in October, and I couldn't have asked for a better podcast to listen to over this shithole time of a year. My sister Autumn actually got me hooked on you fabulous gals, and she sent her story in and was read back in May, so now it's a family affair once my story here gets told. So to start with, because this might be a little long and I apologize in advance, I have a few stories to tell, but I'll share some of my younger, scarier stories first and see if I get around to the other soon. This one is called Whispers of Demand. Starting from childhood, probably around seven years old, that I can remember, I suffered from extremely high fevers. So bad, I remember my mom taking me to urgent care all the time because they were too high and wouldn't subside with fever reducers. From here, I'll share a couple of my experiences while I had these fevers. I know fevers can cause all sorts of hallucinations, but being this young and hearing the same kind of experiences from others over the years, I wonder if it was something else. I'm Native American, so there are beliefs that I could go on that refer to this kind of happening, but that freaked me out even more, so I'll cut it short and just get to what happened. My mother was a single mother, so we, my sister and I, were always left alone for short periods of time. During this occurrence, I'm not sure where my sister was, probably staying over at a friend's. She's six years older than me, so she was always hanging out with her friends. My fever was high, and when I ran high like that, I always slept in my mom's bed, so of course she could watch over me. 
I remember her telling me she needed to run to the store to get me some more medicine and 7-Up. I remember being so sick I could barely lift my head up, but not wanting her to go, like deathly scared of her leaving me, but she had to. I can't tell you how long she was gone, but probably to the corner market and back because all I remember is what happened until she got back. As she left, I knew not to open my eyes because everything else in the room would be ridiculously out of focus or disproportionate to what it really was and it freaked me out. I remember just thinking, she will be back. Don't worry. Keep your eyes shut. Bless it. Ah. Right? Ugh. And when you're sick, all you want is your mama. Yes. Even as an adult. Yeah, I was going to say, even now. But then I started hearing whispering in my ears. At first, I couldn't really hear what they were saying, but as it got louder, I could hear what the whispers were saying. It was almost as if two children were arguing in a whisper, but in that creepy demon golem voice. I was hearing two separate whispers say, She's mine. And the others say, no, she's mine. (laughs) That was so good. That really was good. I can't listen to this back. (laughs) And then the other talk back, she's mine. I'm freaking out, but nothing in my body can manage to do anything except moan. No, no. By this time, I'm like, this is it. I'm going to die. I can't even, nor do I want to, open my eyes until my mom is all of a sudden coming into the room and sits me up to drink some 7-Up. I just start crying, saying I don't want them to take me, and she asked who, and I told her what I was hearing. Well, us being native, hippie, spiritual, believing family, my mom starts praying and smudging me and the room, telling whatever was around me that they can't have me and are not welcome and to leave. Whether it worked or not, I don't know, as leading to my next story, I don't remember if it happened before or after this. This one is called The Box. I will just jump to the scary stuff here, as you all got how I get sick and what time and setting is going on. Sick, hella high fever, laying in my mom's bed, younger than 10, I'm guessing... Don't know what time it was, but late, as everyone was in bed and asleep, as was I... All of a sudden, I fully wake up feeling dizzy and out of it. Everything is blurry at first, but as soon as I come together, I feel like I can't breathe and quickly realize I can't move either. Sleep paralysis? Question mark? It is then, as I processed all of this, that I see two black misty shadows on top of me. Yet still hovering, it was weird. But with a box. As if they're holding it together, but the shadows didn't have much shape other than their misty appearance. I felt like they were sitting on top of me and were squishing me so much I couldn't catch my breath. The box, strangely, that they were holding looked like a regular brown cardboard box, but as big as the Apple computers with the color backs back in the early 2000s or whatever. I know exactly. I wanted one so bad. Same. Then she goes on, I'm not good at judging measurements and wasn't taking the time to calculate all what was going on. Same girl. All I could do was look around me with my eyes and I could see my mom laying on her side next to me sound asleep. I remember it feeling as if they were holding my arms down as I tried to grab my mom to wake her up. I couldn't. 
As I'm laying there, fighting for air and to move, they start arguing. Now, their voices sound almost childish, and so is their behavior, like Tweedledee and Tweedledum. One would go, I want to give it to her. And the other would argue, no, I want to give it to her. Back and forth, back and forth. They argued like this in both of my ears, as if one was whispering in one and the other in the other. I know this sounds like it was going on forever and I should be dead now by not breathing, but I think it was all over by 30 seconds for me waking up to this happening. As they argued, it was like some pressure let off of me though because I was finally able to move my arm and grab my mom awake. She must have felt the fear as she woke up abruptly when I did and asked what was wrong and as she did, I felt that they were still on top of me but she couldn't see them but I still couldn't breathe because all I could mouth out was, get them off of me, I can't breathe. Instantly, she sat me up and poof, they were gone, but like vaporized away, not like gone in a flash. I took the biggest breath I could take and started crying as she held me. Once I could talk, I told her what happened and of course she got up and started burning sage and blessing me. Smudging has always calmed me down tremendously since I was a child, almost like a security blanket. Adding to this but not relating me, I have told this scary-ass story to many friends, and some of those friends who have seen shadow people have told me twice now that they wake up with a shadow person trying to give them a box, but only had one, not two shadows like me, give it to them. Fuck those boxes. Don't take that shit. This was at the time that she wrote this in. This is her little update thing. Okay, just a quick update because I have started this over a week ago. I pick it up and put it down, get caught up with y'all's podcast, etc. But to freaking go along with your coincidental readings, as soon as I got done with the last story, I listened to your latest sinister sightings and there was a story about a girl who had sleep paralysis, but so similar to my story, waking up and barely being able to breathe and then seeing a dark figure on her chest. Did I not just write that shit? Oh my God. Seriously, I find myself to be a bit sensitive to the supernatural world, and it freaks me out, but I also acknowledge it with great respect. It's just with my accounts that I have experienced mostly hasn't been a good humble one. I even had to take a few weeks break there for a while because some of this shit was starting to give me creepy bad feelings again. So much more to share though. But I will end with these two for now and get what I can off later. P.S. I love you two so much. Though this shit is creepy as shit, y'all make me LOL all the damn time. Since I live further away from my sisters and besties, hearing you two chatted up makes me feel like I've spent some time with them. Thank you for getting my lonely or boring days by with so much more fun. Hope none of this was terribly long and was good. Uh, yes. Amber, that was so freaking good. I want to know what was in the box, though. Like, right? I, I need to know. I'm too, no- I'm too fucking nosy for this. Well, but I don't want to be the one that opens the box. No, no, no. I want somebody else to do it and then tell me. Yeah, exactly. Someone make a YouTube about it, you know. Okay, Slenderman. <laughs> okay, the next one is titled Trigger Warning. Please reach out. Hi, ladies. I love the podcast, and I can't wait for Mondays and Thursdays to listen. 
I wanted to write in about my true story with domestic violence. I know right now almost all of America is quarantined due to COVID-19, which means most women and children are stuck at home with abusive partners and parents. I wanted to share this as a message for all you beautiful creepsters to hear so you know you are not alone. Buckle up, this is a long one. A few years back, I was in a terrible domestic violence relationship with a kid I met in high school. I was 24, he was 20. I had my son when I was 18, so he had been around my son quite a bit. Everything was great when we first started dating, and he was so kind. After a few months of dating, he started picking fights with me about working with males, as I was a waitress at the time. He would be so mad about me wearing low-cut shirts and stuff. He started becoming very controlling. I decided to go to Cali for my best friend's wedding, who is a Marine, and that is when things took a turn for the worst. I drove from New York to Cali, and it was crazy. He wanted to be in control of everything we did, even though I paid for the whole trip. When we arrived at the hotel, I was unpacking, and he saw my sundress that I bought at Old Navy for the wedding, and he got so mad. He grabbed me by the arm and told me that I would not be wearing that and I needed to find something that didn't make me a slut. I told him no, that I only brought that dress and I didn't have any extra money to buy anything. I decided to wear a sweater over my dress even though it was 101 that day. Well, I realized that he left nasty bruises on my arm. When the reception started, I had began drinking and decided to take my sweater off because I was way too hot. My best friend saw the bruises and was instantly mad. His exact words were, Does he not realize that there are 50 plus Marines here that will gladly kick the living shit out of him? I told him not to worry and that it was nothing. Well, I got very drunk with my best friend and don't remember a lot of his wedding. The next morning, I woke up to a trashed room and I was completely naked. I was confused and I had marks on my wrists and ankles. Fast forward to two months down the road. I was spending the night at his house and he took my phone while I was sleeping and went through my contacts. He found an old guy I used to date a year or so back that's a cop. He went off. He pulled me by my hair off the bed and threw me down the basement stairs. He then proceeded to smash my phone and throw the remaining pieces at my head and tell me that he will kill me and bury me in his hundred acre tree farm and they will never find me. When he finally walked away, I ran out of the basement door and down his driveway, and I didn't stop running until I saw a car, at which point I started to walk. It's 2 a.m., and I live about two miles from his house. I finally got to my house, locked the doors, and woke my parents up, begging them to watch my room and make sure he didn't come back to the house. Yes, I was living with my parents for a bit after my son's father and I split up. My dad was furious. But I only said that we got into a fight and I wanted to come home and he wouldn't bring me. A few days later, he shows up. My son was young at the time and him and I were napping in the living room at about 3 p.m. When all of a sudden, I was grabbed and he put his hand over my mouth and told me to be quiet as he pulled me into the bedroom. He then threw me across the room onto my bed and began choking me. I finally lifted my knee and got him in the groin and he got off of me and went to attack me, but I had the upper hand. I pinned him against the wall and he spit into my face, which made me release my hand and step back. 
At that point, he punched me in the jaw and I fell backwards and landed face first on my dresser, causing my nose to break and a black eye to form. Well, enough was enough. After he left my house, only because my mom came home from work early, I asked my mom to watch the boy while I went to file a restraining order. Looking back now, I wish I had called the police. I wrote the report and a few days later, I got a letter stating when court was. Well, my sister told my parents what happened, who told my brother, who is built and could probably kill this kid with his bare hands, and my brother was mad. Now, you ladies will probably love this because he is such a good brother. A few days later, this kid was coming out of Applebee's with his family, and my brother was walking in. My brother grabbed him by the shoulders and said, walk with me. My brother's friends were with him at the time, and this kid said, did you bring your gang to beat me up? My brother said, no, they're here for your protection because if I hit you, I'm not going to stop. Well, my brother did in fact hit him until his buddies pulled him off, causing him to have a black eye and broken nose. A few days later, we arrived in court and I was terrified. I had to tell the judge what happened to me and go over everything. The judge asked to see my phone that he damaged and the hospital records from my injury. I started bawling in the courtroom and felt like I couldn't breathe. His attorney tried to tell the judge that I was the one who was beating him. The judge called him to the front, and I will never forget this moment. He said, young man, I don't even want to call you a man because you are so pathetic. I want to tell you that any boy or man that puts his hands on a woman is the dirt below my boots. And because of the damage you have done to this lady, both physically and mentally, and because of this, I'm going to sentence you to 90 days in jail and grant this restraining order for the next 10 years. And when you're released from jail, if you even pull onto this girl's road and I find out, I will personally make sure you spend the rest of your days behind bars. I started to cry. He turned around and looked at me while they were cuffing him and said, you want to know why I didn't kill you that day? Because I didn't think it was fair for your son to see his whore mommy dead when he woke up. I fell to my knees. The judge was shocked. For the next year, until I got my fiancé, I barely slept. I was so afraid of him coming back to my house. I would not stay home alone, and even to this day, I'm terrified of being alone. I did find out two months later that when we went to Cali and I was passed out, he tied me up, raped me, and took pictures of me naked and tied up and was selling them online. I want this to be a message to anyone who is experiencing domestic violence. Please, please get help. Reach out to anyone. I will gladly call the police for you. Please don't wait until it's too late. Thank you again, ladies, for sharing and stay safe and healthy. Love, Amy. Wow. I couldn't even comment through that because it was just so... Wow. Well, we're glad that you are safe and in a better place. Yes. I mean... Violence is never the answer. And I I mean, I cannot even imagine what people who are abused by their partners go through. Like, I cannot even process it. So, yes, like Amy said, reach out for help. You are not alone. There are shelters and all kinds of things that can help you. Hello, my favorite creepers. I so love your podcast. I love listening to you both and look forward to every Monday for the first time in my life. I have so many stories to share with you, but I'm going to start with my dad who passed away the day before his 78th birthday, May 15th, 2012. 
Though I definitely do not confess to be a medium, I can sometimes feel or hear things when I'm in that state right before you go to sleep. The first time I felt my dad was in my dreams. In my dream, I walked into my parents' house and it was all decorated for Christmas. My dad was sitting in a chair wearing a Santa hat. I gave him a big hug and told him I missed him. He said, I miss you too. I woke up feeling his razor stubble on my face and still do every time I think of this. Soon after he died, my sisters and I had a medium come to my parents' house. When she walked in, she said that there was a male presence that was showing her all the work he had done on the house. My dad was a carpenter and added many rooms to our house and redid the whole kitchen many times among many other projects. I think he was showing off as he was very proud of his work as well as his family. I'm the oldest of nine and he loved us all very much. We sat with the medium in small groups and I went with my youngest sister and her friend. My dad kept saying things that applied to my sister. In my mind, I said, what about me, dad? The medium looked at me and said my dad was not worried about me because I am most like him. The rest of my family took his death really hard. I know it is what it is and there's nothing I can do about it. He was sick for a really long time. I do miss him, but no, I will see him again. With that being said, one of my brothers and a sister had been out the night before the medium came and they were talking about how they missed him and how my brother wished he could be one of the sisters as we have a bond like no other and he doesn't have that with my other brothers. When it was his turn for the reading, my dad told me he's not one of the girls and that he had been playing all the tricks around the house. He still lives in my parents' home with my mom and another brother. One night, my brother was yelling at my mom when the light bulb next to his chair exploded. He was not hurt, but I know it was my dad telling him to knock it off. We have had a few other readings, and every time my dad makes a big presence. My dad was a proud veteran and at his request was buried at the Veterans National Cemetery in Bourne, Massachusetts, Cape Cod. On the first anniversary of his death, we rented a school bus to go to the cemetery. Many of our friends were close like family, and it was a great way to get there as a group. After we stopped at the cemetery for a little ceremony created by a sister, we stopped for a picnic at one of our favorite spots on the canal. When we were getting back on the bus, I saw a man walking in the distance with a yellow jacket, baseball cap, and those sunglasses you wear over your prescription glasses. (laughs) I said, hi, Dad, to myself. When we were all on the bus, everyone started talking about the man and how they thought it was my dad. I know it was. The last time we had a reading, my dad said he would be around till all his loved ones had joined him, but he hopes that that will take a long time. We've had many other things that happened concerning my father, including the orbs we caught on camera at his funeral at the Cape, but I want to dig out the digital copy of the photo to send to you. So watch out for more information from me. Cindy from Massachusetts. Creep it real and don't get scared. That's crazy that he's come so many times. Like, I feel like it takes a lot of energy for them, right? I mean, I don't know. What do I know? But, like, he's pretty freaking strong. Yeah. I love that he wore prescription, like, the glasses over the prescription glasses. I know that so well. And I love y'all's connection. Definitely. All right. Hi, guys. My name is Emma, and I'm from Cumbria in England. I wanted to share one of my Ouija board stories. I've tried about seven times with the Ouija board, and we have always made our own boards. Pieces of paper with letters and numbers written on them and placed in a circle with yes, no, and goodbye in the center, and an upside-down glass as the planchette. 
A few years ago, we decided to try it on Christmas Eve with my family at my pop's grandfather's house. We really wanted to speak to my Nana, who passed away about eight years before this. We had six of us touching the board and some people watching. Of course, the boys decided to creep up the stairs and make zombie noises and scratch the walls to try to scare us. Idiots. At first, the board only wanted to speak to one of my cousin's friends. It even called her a nickname her dad's friend, who had passed away, used to call her. After an hour of this conversation, with us not hearing anything from our Nana, everyone started moving back downstairs, but myself, two of my cousins... And my ma'am, mother, wanted to try one last time to speak to my nana. My ma'am watched as the three of us placed our fingers on the glass and concentrated on my nana. We asked if there was anyone there, and it moved to yes. It said it was our nana, and then it spelled out my lovely three, and we all got so emotional. We started crying and saying, we love you, nana, we miss you. Then it changed. The board started moving, and through our tears, it spelled out D-O-Y-O-U-F-U-C-K. With that board, my ma'am stopped the Ouija board by saying goodbye. We all said our goodbyes through shock of what happened and chills up our spine. Why would our Nana, who never swore, be so mean, and we realized it wasn't our Nana? Something evil had come through, and my ma'am, who has had bad experiences with Ouija boards in the past, so she didn't want to let it say another word. Oh my gosh. We got rid of the paper and tried to forget about the whole thing. My pop told us a few days later that my Nana's cup that always hung on a hook in the kitchen somehow fell off the hook, and a photo of my pop and his new partner fell over face down. We couldn't help but think if this had something to do with the board. Luckily, nothing happened after that, and it didn't put me off Ouija boards, but I haven't done it again since. No one will do it with me. Probably for the best. I'm trying to get my ma'am to give me stories from when she did Ouija boards, and my husband's sleep paralysis stories give me chills. Keep up the amazing work. I love your accents, and I listen to you guys every day. I don't know what I'm going to do when I'm called up. Thanks for taking the time to read this, and I hope you and your families are safe. Love from Emma. Oh, my gosh. Right? I mean, it was like, what What were they going to say? Do you fuck? Like, what were they going to say after that? Do you fucking know who you're talking to? Do you fuck ghosts? <laughs> Man. Oh, I can't do Ouija boards. Mm-mm. I want to do one. Well, you, I ain't doing it with you. You own your own, kid. I'm just so nosy, and I believe in them, and I just want to feel what it feels like for the planchette to move. Mm -mm. Nope, sure don't. (laughs) Because I know me and my brother used to do it, but he used to move it, you know? Because let's just be honest, Kenneth is too freaked about everything that if it actually moved by itself, he wouldn't have been able to sleep for weeks. Mm -mm. I still wouldn't be sleeping. (laughs) Just kidding. Yes, I would. Yes, you would. All right, this one's called Too Stressed to be Possessed? Hey ladies, currently writing this as I'm listening to the latest Sinister Sightings. Y'all always make me smile and I look forward to each podcast. I told my sister about this podcast and she told me I had to tell my story about the time I may have been possessed. Sorry if it's long-winded. I used to have awful insomnia after I graduated high school in 2012 
I would not be able to sleep until nearly 6 a.m. most nights. Oh, God. You say, oh, God, at that. And I'm like, 2012? You graduated? We graduated in 2003. (laughs) Imagine that. One night around 2.45 a.m., I walked outside on my back porch to get some air and look at the stars. I was standing there when I felt like someone or something was watching me just beyond the tree line. I got spooked and went back inside, locking the door behind me and rushing to my bedroom. A few minutes later, I was thirsty and knocked on my sister's door to ask if she wanted anything to drink, got her drink order, and was about to walk down the hall in the dark. My mom was a light sleeper, so I didn't dare turn on the light. As I turned to walk down the hallway, my body froze. I felt as though someone was staring into me at the end of the hall. That's right, into me. The feeling passed for a second, so I basically quiet ran to the end of the hallway. And at the end of the hallway, picture it. To the left is the kitchen, and to the right opens into a living room. To my right, there was a six-foot black figure standing in front of our living room window inside the house. I fumbled for the light switch to see nothing there when it came on. I yanked the drinks out of the fridge and booked it to my sister's room, shakily handing her a drink and squeaking goodnight as I ran into my room, shutting the door. I had a bunk bed in my room, so I was on the top bunk, freaking out when there was a soft knock on my door. My sister came in asking if I felt bad, that feeling that was in the house. I told her I did and asked that she sleep in my room for the night. She agreed, climbing up next to me. Now, this next part is from what she told me. I don't remember any of it. Sidebar, y'all must be uh, personal pan pizzas if you both fit on a top bunk. Right, and again with the top bunks. Man, to not be lazy. That's amazing. (laughs) What's that like? (laughs) She said I turned super pale and that I started swaying, tapping the back of my head, saying, pressure, pressure. She says that I then grabbed her hand hard and growled out the word, pray. Oh my God. Ladies, we aren't religious girls at all, but she prayed in Jesus' name eight times before the color came back to my face and that creepy feeling left. We haven't felt anything since and we have both long since moved out. I hope the story gave y'all the chills like it gave me writing it all out again. Creep It Real, love from Arizona, CC. P.S. I don't have any social media for my mental health or I would join your groups. CC, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, it gave me the creeps. Thank God she got into your room. Yes. Because if not, like what would have happened? Okay, last one. This one's called Grandparents' House. For as long as I can remember, I always felt like I was not alone in my grandparents' house. But I was never scared by it. Well, except for the first time. My first experience was when I was five. I was staying the night, and I was laying on the floor in the living room watching TV. Off the living room was one of the bedrooms that no one slept in. It had been my great-grandparents, and my grandmother was very sentimental and kept things exactly as they had left it. I had been staying up watching a movie with them while laying on the floor, absolutely loving the way they spoiled me as grandparents often do. I remember getting tired and rolling over away from the light of the TV so I could nap on the floor when I looked into the bedroom. Looking at the big old bed, I saw a dark figure sit up. And even though I couldn't see any features, I somehow knew 
that they had turned to look at me. Oh my gosh. At first, I was frozen in fear, unable to look away or even move as I felt I had locked eyes with this figure sitting in the bed. The figure then stood up and walked across the room out of my sight towards a huge vanity that was in the corner. Once the figure was out of sight, I quick squeezed my eyes closed so tight as if that would somehow save me. The even more useless equivalent of pulling a blanket up over your head, I guess. Years later, I told my grandmother about it and she told me not to worry about it, that the only people that were in the house were family and they would never hurt me, which I clearly remember my mother rolling her eyes over. As I got older and spent more time in the house, I experienced many more things, ranging from hearing people talking in the next room, walking into the room and finding it empty, to swearing I saw someone peeking around the doorframe at me. The most amazing experience I had was walking out of the bathroom and coming face-to-face with my great-grandmother. She had died three years before I was born, but I had been told over and over again that we were so alike that it would be impossible for me not to be her favorite person. I stood there shocked, staring at her for a moment before she simply smiled the biggest, warmest smile at me and then was gone. When I told my grandmother about it, she simply smiled and told me that it was proof she loved me. My grandfather passed away from leukemia when I was 13, and shortly after my grandmother started telling me how she would wake up in the middle of the night and talk to my grandfather. The rest of the family thought she was just having dreams, but I have the feeling that she was sensitive and she thought I was too. She began telling me about how different family members would visit her at night as well, as if it was something everyone experienced. I know a lot of people would write her off as crazy or just missing her husband or parents, but I believed her. I never had experiences of being visited, but anytime I was in the house, I had the same experiences of not being alone. She has since passed as well, but recently when I was having a really bad day, I was in my bedroom having a good cry when my grandmother's photo fell off the wall and dropped onto the bed in front of me. She was a very stubborn lady. I like to think it was her way of reminding me that I am just as stubborn as her. All of my life, she had told people she wanted her house to go to me when she passed. But unfortunately, when she did pass, my uncle decided he deserved the house more. He tried to live there for a while, but began telling family members about how windows would slam around him and how he felt he was unwanted in the house. He said he felt like my grandmother wanted him out of the house, and I can't help but think that's very true. In life, she was a short little woman, 5'2", and sharp tongue when she wanted. She was not afraid to tell you how she felt, and I can't imagine that changing after she passed. Anyway, I thought you ladies might enjoy the story. I'm a huge fan of the show, and I think you two are hilarious together. Creep it real. Oh my gosh. Grandma's fucking no. Yes. And serves your uncle right. Right. That's the thing. Man, if it's someone's dying wish, fuck you. Yeah. Sorry. not You know what I mean? Sorry about your uncle, but fuck you. <laughs> wow. These stories were so good tonight. And they still all had like a running theme. Every time. We love them so freaking much. Keep sending them in. You can email them to aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. Y'all, keep them coming. They never disappoint. I think y'all must get together and write all these together so you can create a thread. Right? Either way, we freaking love them. And we want y'all to remember. Creep it real. And and don't don't get scared. scared.